listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. I'm going to be reading Psalm 119, 97 through 112. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day long. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn away from your ordinances, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to observe your righteous ordinances. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your ordinances. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your decrees are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I got word from the sound room via text message that uh, we're having some mic issues. Uh, Morgan, does this work? You might have to turn it down a little bit on the stream because I'm guessing I might be talking a little bit louder. I'm in Eli's vocal mic. We're going to do this stand-up comedy style, I guess, today with a handheld mic. We'll see how this works. Um, So I got to say right off the bat, it feels a little strange on Palm Sunday to not be talking about Palm Sunday, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Um, But we are wrapping up the series today that we've been doing throughout Lent called Sacred Rhythms. Um, And today we're talking about the Bible. Uh, Over the last six weeks or so, we've looked at a variety of different spiritual disciplines and practices, things like fasting, prayer, generosity, rest. My goal with all of this, my hope, is that you'll be able to actually incorporate some of these practices into your life. Like, I'm really hoping that each one of us will discover something, something new in this series that we can actually take and um, that we can use to enrich our faith and deepen our connection with God. And it's been really cool, you know, throughout this series over the last six weeks to hear from some of you who are actually giving some of this stuff a try at home, like experimenting with practices like fasting, solitude, new forms of prayer, things that for a lot of us are brand new. That is so cool. And we're going to close out this series by talking about how we read and engage with the Bible. I know this is a tough one for a lot of folks. Um, The Bible has this sort of veil of inaccessibility over it, almost like a wall. Um, It was written a millennia ago, half a world away, different language, different culture. It's super long, right? Like, where do you even start to approach the Bible? 
And it feels inherently foreign to us, which is super intimidating. But I'm a firm believer that anyone can take this book and be transformed by it. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to know Greek and Hebrew. You don't even have to have grown up in the church to be able to read the Bible and let it transform your imagination. I just want to check, how is this mic working for my audio? Are we good? Awesome. I got a thumbs up. Awesome. You don't need a degree in theology to read the Bible, but we do need some practices, some methods, some rhythms that we can engage in to help us read this text well. So let's talk about that today. I just want to give you a heads up as we dive in. This is going to be a message that you might want to take notes on. Um, I'm going to be covering a lot of different approaches, different ways to read the Bible. Uh, We're going to be suggesting a few resources. So if you're at home watching this, you might want to hit pause and go grab a piece of paper and a pencil to take some notes. And if you're listening to this sermon on the go, it might be a good idea um, to just make a little note to come back to this one at some point um, and take some notes on it, if that's helpful. And one more disclaimer I want to give right up front. We're going to be talking about different ways to read the Bible, but I don't want to put down any of them. If you're reading the Bible regularly and the way you're reading it works for you, that is fantastic. Don't stop. Keep doing what you're doing. But maybe you'll pick up a new practice, a new way to approach Scripture from this sermon that you'll want to try out, and that's awesome, too. I give this disclaimer right up front because I think some of the problems we have with the Bible, some of the ways that the Bible can feel foreign and inaccessible to us, has to do with how we approach the Bible, how a lot of Christians read the Bible. For most Christians, I think there are kind of two common approaches to Scripture, and that's devotions and marathons. Devotions and marathons. Let's start with devotions. Um, Devotions are a genre of literature that give you the Bible in little daily chunks. Like every day you get a different Bible passage to read, a short reflection, and a prayer. It's super simple, super practical, accessible. It takes like 10 minutes in the morning and you're done. Um, I've read a lot of different devotionals. Um, I have one up here that's one of my favorites, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. This one's a classic. This was written almost 100 years ago, and it's still pretty good. This was my devotional in my college years, and it is not an overstatement to say that this book saved my faith on a number of occasions. It's awesome. Devotionals are really practical. They're uh, super accessible, and if you're looking to get into this habit of daily Bible reading, it's a good place to start, but when it comes to understanding the Bible as a whole, like grasping the whole of Scripture, breaking through that wall of inaccessibility, devotionals are not always the best option. One of the issues I have with um, some devotionals is they tend to only give you a little snippet of scripture, sometimes just like a verse or two. And a lot of times those verses can be taken out of context. When I was in high school, um, I had a lot of different youth leaders who were always trying to get me to read the Bible more, and so I was given a lot of devotionals. And I would give them a try. Like, I would take a shot, I I would read it. But the problem is, I would always grab my Bible and actually read the text, you know, in context, and nine times out of ten, the actual context of the passage had very little to do with the reflection of the devotional author. 
It was like this passage isn't telling me to study harder and stay off drugs. Paul's talking about baptism here, that sort of thing. But that's one of the drawbacks of this type of literature. You don't get a whole lot of the Bible, and what you do get often reflects more of the devotional author's views than it does of Scripture itself. So again, don't want to put it down, but that's some of the drawbacks to a devotional. The other super common approach I've seen a lot of Christians take with the Bible is the marathon method. Um, If you've ever seen one of these Bible reading plans where you try to read the entire Bible in a year, that's what I call the marathon method. Now, as far as, like, life goals uh, go, I think reading the entire Bible is a pretty good one. I think every Christian who is able should, at some point in their life, try to read straight through the Bible. Like, that's a really good goal. But that's not where I would start if you are new to the Bible. I've actually done this. Um, I think I've successfully read the entire Bible cover to cover twice, but I have attempted it at least a dozen times, and therein lies the problem. Reading the Bible straight through, all the way through, is really hard to do. It is not super attainable. It's like drinking from a fire hose. There's a lot to take in. And if you're going for depth, you might think that, like, reading the entire Bible could help. But it doesn't always because of sheer volume. When you've got a certain number of verses and chapters that you have to read every single day, it's kind of hard to go for depth. Like, some days you're just trying to power through it, get through it. And then you hit a book in the Bible like Leviticus where it's really easy to start skimming. Anyone at home um, or the handful of folks we have here do a Bible reading plan and admit it. Leviticus, it's like seven chapters on animal sacrifices. I'll skim that part, right? I think we all do that. So I think part of the problem... Part of the reason that the Bible seems so like lofty and inaccessible to us has to do with how we read it. And I want to say again, if devotions and like the Bible in a year type plans work for you, that is fantastic. Don't stop. Keep it up. But if you're looking for something different, maybe you're looking for a different way to try, or maybe you've tried those and they haven't worked for you, then I want to suggest two alternative methods for encountering the Bible. Study and contemplation. Study and contemplation. Let's start by talking about study. The idea when you're studying the Bible is that you're going for depth. Now, one part of that is the application piece, right? The like, what does the Bible mean for me component? But a lot of times before we even get to that step, we've got to understand the text itself. Like, what does the Bible actually mean in context? What did this book mean to its original audience? What is the author saying? What does the Bible mean? This is what we talk about in our teachings here at church most Sunday mornings. And the first thing you need if you want to study the Bible well is a good study Bible. If you've been to church, you've seen our pew Bibles. Uh, We've actually got a picture in the slides of like the inside of it. Pretty standard good Bibles. You open up, there's a table of contents at the front, then you get the text. um, And that's really about it. Um, There might be like a little footnote here or there or a cross-reference or two, but the bulk of what you see on the page of our pew Bibles is scripture itself. 
Study Bibles, if you don't have experience with these, look a bit more like this. It might be a little bit intimidating, all that text, the lines, different size fonts. There's a lot to take in, but that's because every page is loaded with notes that explain things, unpack things, give you the context of what you're reading. In most study Bibles, each book of the Bible is going to start with a little article, maybe anywhere from like one to I don't know, six pages or so, um, explaining the book, outlining it, giving you the setting, the audience, all that important stuff that makes it a lot easier to understand what the author's talking about. You also get um, beautiful maps, articles, um, essays on how the Bible was written and put together. A good study Bible is invaluable for reading the Bible well. Now, one piece of advice um, there are a lot of different kinds of study Bibles out there. They all have strengths and weaknesses, but the most popular study Bibles are the life application Bibles. These are fantastic Bibles. Um, if you grew up in church um, or belong to like a Bible study in the last 40 years, there's a good chance you have one or two of these sitting around your house. I think Aaron and I have three. Life application Bibles are great, but the notes tend to focus on life application. Go figure. The, the notes tend to focus on that question of, like, what does the Bible mean for me, which is important. That's good. But they're a little hit or miss on what does the Bible actually mean. To get into that sort of stuff, that more kind of basic knowledge of the Bible, um, I would recommend two particular study Bibles. There's a lot out there, but these are two I'd highly recommend. The Harper Collins Study Bible and the CEB Common English Study Bible. These are really good study Bibles. They're a little more, um, I guess you'd say academic, but they are still super accessible. You're not going to find as much of the life, ap life application piece here, the what does, this, what does the Bible have to say to me, but there's going to be a ton of info on the context, the background, and what the Bible is actually saying. Every week when I first sit down to like write a sermon, I start with one of these two Bibles. And I would say that about nine times out of ten, the notes in these Bibles, along with the text itself, gives me pretty much everything I need to put together these teachings. They are fantastic resources. So step one of Bible study would be to get a good study Bible. Step two would be to start reading it, and I would recommend focusing on one book at a time. The Bible is a library of books, right? There are all sorts of books in the Bible. Open up to the table of contents of any Bible, and you're going to see the list there. And there are different kinds of books. There's poetry in the Bible. There's prophecy. There's history, narrative, personal letters, all kinds of different books in this library. And if you aren't sure where to start when, in terms of picking a book to start with, I'd recommend one of the Gospels. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, the books about Jesus, that's a great place to start. Genesis is another good option. You get Adam and Eve, Noah's Ark, Abraham, a lot of classic Bible stories in Genesis. If you want to read about the early church, you could start with Acts. If you're a fan of Game of Thrones, you could read Judges. Lots of sex and violence in that one. Maybe don't start with Judges, but whatever you're into, whatever you're into, pick a book. Pick a single book from the Bible and dive in. 
Don't set a timer or like I have to read X amount every single day. No, just work through the book, however long it takes you. Short books you can read in probably 15, 20 minutes, and some of the longer ones you could chew on for a month or more. Just pick a book and dive in. And then if you want to go even deeper into this, I would highly recommend studying the Bible in community. Get together with some other people. Get some more voices into the mix. You could join or start a small group. Um, We've had multiple small groups meeting virtually throughout the pandemic. That's been fantastic. And if you're not open to that sort of thing, if you're not quite ready for that yet, at least pick up a good commentary so that you have another voice, um, a knowledgeable guide speaking into your study of Scripture. The most accessible Bible commentary series out there, in my opinion, the one I recommend to just about everybody, is the For Everyone series. There's one for every book of the Bible. Genesis for everyone, Exodus for everyone, Matthew for everyone. These are fantastic books written by people who really know the Bible well, but who are able to speak about it in very practical, um, real-world ways. One of our virtual small groups right now is studying the book of Acts, and they're using the Acts for Everyone commentary as their guide for the study, and it's been going amazing. I'm not even in that group, but the stuff I've been hearing from the people involved, the depth, the richness, how much they're learning, how, it's, how the text is coming to life for them, it's just very, very exciting. So get a good study Bible, start reading it, and then read it in community. That would be kind of my three-step process for good Bible study. But there's another practice I want to talk to you about. Just as important as study. And that is contemplation. Meditating on the words of scripture. Meditation is something that um, us Baptists aren't usually very comfortable with, right? <laughs> like, um, it feels a little like woo to us. It's, it's a little too personal, a little too invasive. We tend to be a bit more cerebral in how we approach the Bible, very mental, very up here. But meditating over scripture will make the Bible come alive for you in an entirely new way. And it is super biblical. In our scripture reading for today, the psalmist declares... Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day long. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your decrees are my meditation. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I absolutely love studying the Bible. It's basically my job, and I'm a nerd. I love to study the Bible. But I don't think I've ever come away from, like, an intense Bible study session thinking, man, that was just like honey, right? Like, that's not exactly the category I would put it in. This psalm, this ancient poem, was written by someone who had experience meditating over the words of Scripture, contemplating it, internalizing it, letting it do that work on our hearts. That's the only way you're going to find the Bible to be sweeter than honey in your mouth. If you think about a marriage or like any relationship, really, if all you do all the time is analyze your partner... Try to understand them, take them apart, figure out how they work. You'll probably learn a thing or two. You might learn a lot, 
But there's not much intimacy there. That spiritual connection, that deep, mysterious love and knowledge, you don't get that purely from dissecting something. And I think it works the same way with the Bible. Study is fantastic. We should all be studying scripture. But if you want the honey, if you want that sweet nectar, you need contemplation. The idea with contemplation is we're trying to encounter the text on a spiritual level, a mystical level. Trying to get beyond all that mental stuff of cognition and understanding to let the Bible speak to our hearts. Centuries of church history have given us some fantastic approaches to contemplating the scriptures. There's all sorts of different ways to do this, but one of my favorite methods is a practice called Lectio Divina. Now, if you go to the online worship page of our website and download the order of worship for today, um, right there, the bottom of the page in the going deeper section, um, we have an outline, um, a suggested method for doing this practice of Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina means divine reading, um, and it's a method of using the Bible, using the text of scripture itself to pray and encounter God. You begin by selecting a short passage of scripture. It could be a couple verses, maybe a single story. And then you read it three times. After the first time you read it, you pray, inviting God to speak to you through the text. Then you read the passage a second time, looking for a word or phrase that stands out to you. And if nothing comes to mind, you can repeat this step as many times as it takes. But once you have a word or phrase that is standing out to you in the text, you meditate on it, you consider it. You reflect on why this particular word or phrase is standing out to me and what God might have to say to me in this space. And then after you've meditated on the text, you read it one final time and then you just sit in silence, resting in God's presence. That's it. That's Lectio Divina. You read the text three times. After the first time you pray, the second time you meditate, and after the third time you rest. Now, we spend a lot of time here at this church studying the Bible, doing the kind of mental, cerebral stuff. But to close out our service today, I think we would do well to actually try contemplating it together as well. And this is, of course, something you can participate in from home. We're not going to take as much time with this practice as you'd want to, ideally, if you were doing it on your own. And please do try this at home. Um, but again, we have a guide for you in the order of worship that you can use to do this on your own. But let's end this service with a brief practice of Lectio Divina. I want to invite you, wherever you happen to be watching this, to get in a comfortable position. Um, sit up nice and straight. If you want, you can close your eyes. And focus on taking deep breaths and listening as I read the passage for us the first time. When they were approaching Jerusalem, at Bethpage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, 
you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just tell them the Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of our ancestor David, Hosanna in the highest heaven. God, we invite you to speak to us today. Open our hearts to whatever you may have for us. If your eyes are closed at home, I want to invite you to um, open them up and read this passage along with me, paying attention for a word or a phrase that stands out to you. When they were approaching Jerusalem, at Bethpage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples And said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this The Lord needs it, and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Blessed is the coming of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. How is God speaking to you? When they were approaching Jerusalem, at Bethpage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this, just say this, the Lord needs it, and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. I invite you to sit and rest in God's presence.
Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.